How many of you guys, this is just kind of fun, how many of you have been sick in the last month? Wasn't it fun? Huh? And uh, it's kind of cool. And so um, let me pray. Father, I just want to pray for everyone who's actually home right now because we know no one's here in sick. And so we pray for all those that are home. God, we know that you are the healer. And uh, sometimes we read it. And then even as a church, we will say that we still believe that your miraculous power is alive today as it was back then, and that you still want to move in and through us in miraculous ways as you did with the early church. But sometimes we don't see it the way we would hope to, and so it can cause us to step back from praying for it. But God, we want to be a church that steps out of the boat and that it's not our job to prove that it's going to happen It's not our job to know even like, well, what do we do if it doesn't happen? Lord, I want to step out with expectancy. And I want to say, God, would you come and heal those that are homesick right now? Those that have been battling it for a couple weeks, those that just got it, those that can't afford to miss a couple days of work uh, because of it, whatever it is, those that already have other health issues, and uh, this is something that could really make things worse. Lord, we need your healing power. We ask that you would come and touch their lives, come and bring healing in this very moment. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. What an exciting day, huh? The right response would have been yes. <clears throat> yeah. Hey, a couple quick announcements. Um, because it's an exciting day, and so we're going to go over these, is we have our Christmas inreach. This is something that we do every year, and it is a time, a lot of times we have what we call an outreach, which let's go off of, um, we'll break down the words here. The first part of the word outreach is what? Okay, so it makes sense that it's good. And so we're really breaking down biblical words here. Um, I don't know, Bill, is this in the Hebrew or the Greek that we're doing this? Okay, so our in reach would be in. It's in. So it's a way for us to bless those that are part of the City Harvest family um, with, with gifts. And so what we do is we reach out to them. We get some tags. They're going to be on the, there's a Christmas tree out in the lobby after the service you can go and you just simply walk up and you you grab a tag sounds pretty simple and then you let the person know at the table your name and what tag number you got so that they can mark it down that way when you accidentally forget they know who to call about that tag okay and uh, anybody here ever accidentally forgot something man shoot i am like already at my quota of number of hand raises we haven't even started the message Um, So I would ask that you pray about doing that. It is a great way to bless. There's all sorts of different gifts and and different ages, but it's a great way for us to rally around those in our church family to make sure that no one goes without feeling blessed, that no one goes without feeling seen, without being known. And uh, so I want to encourage you for that. Also, the next one is our winter food boxes. Every year, what happens with... um, with schools is they, they take two weeks off. Um, how many parents get excited about that part? And uh, you kind of wonder why your job doesn't give you two weeks off as well. Uh, but, but they take two weeks off, and there's a lot of kids where the majority of their food, their breakfast, 
and their lunch comes from going to school. And that is where they get it. I'm an emotional wreck today, okay? <laughs> I just work with me. Uh, yesterday, my son Jude uh, got in the car. I was supposed to take him to go rake somebody's leaves. And he gets in and he's like, what's wrong? I'm like, nothing. And he's like, well, you look pissed off. Sorry, but that's what he said. I'm just <laughs> quoting him, okay? He's the sinner, not me. I would have said, you look kind of upset, but that's what he said. And I said, I go, no, I'm not. And then the nerve, he says, I guess that's true. You just naturally have a face that always looks mad. <laughs> and um, it is true. And I'm sure some of you have thought that, but you know what? Hey, it's the face that God gave me. I don't know what to do. I have thought about shaving my eyebrows off because I think they have a lot to do with it but I'm praying for the joy of the Lord to bubble through me. Back to winter food boxes. Um, we are gonna be delivering those on December 18th and uh, we're gonna have the boxes up here in front. We're gonna pray over them. We're gonna believe that not only are we bringing these food boxes to these families. Oh, that's what I, I was talking about, school districts. So the school districts lets, lets us know different families that would be in need of this. They sign up for it and then what we do, we do two things. One thing we do is we, uh, we contribute. Okay, it's going to cost around $8,000 to do this. And so you can go on the realm, go to outreach and you can give there or you can mark it on one of the envelopes. If you want to give cash or check, you can put it in one of the black boxes at the, the back um, walls. And then the second thing we do is on the 18th, well, you know what, we're going to add even more. So the second thing we're going to do is as a church family, we're going to pray over them. We're going to believe that we're not just giving something in the natural, but we're bringing something in the spiritual that they taste and see that God is good. Yes. And that something impactful happens, that we bring not just uh, 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 words, but we actually bring something in the spirit that rests on the place, that feels different. We pray with them. The third thing we're going to do is we're going to all come prepared, so don't make any lunch plans right after the service on the 18th. Okay, so get onto your calendar right now and just mark off after the service on the 18th that you need a little bit of time to grab some of these food boxes and you're going to go and you're going to deliver them. And it's really easy. You basically get the box, you get in your car, there's a map, you go there, you get out, and then you go and you knock on the door and then they're going to look at you strangely, whether they, they're going to feel like they didn't know you were coming, but that's just Who's ever received a gift and you felt a little awkward receiving it? Okay, it happens. I do it all the time. Uh, but feel free to give them to me still, even though I look awkward <laughs> or angry. But we go and we just do that. So please be praying about if God will leave you to give financially, but also um, preparing your heart for uh, being someone that delivers and praying, just even praying in the spirit for the family uh, that we give to. And then our third announcement is just real quick is we have a Guatemala missions trip coming up um, next Sunday. There'll be an info meeting. So our hope is that everyone that can gets a passport and goes on at least one short-term team. Would love to have you. This is a great place. If you've never, who's never been on a short-term missions trip? Now, this, this time, this, this is a freebie because it's about announcements, not the message. So keep your hand high. Be honest. Who's never been on one? I want to encourage you to pray about it. If I would say that this is the best place I've ever been as far as going for the very first time on a short-term team. 
And so if you've never been on one, this is where you want to start going. It is a great experience. Okay, with that, we are going to um, be opening our Bibles. And if you need a Bible, the ushers uh, have some, so raise your hand. Uh, so you can read along with us and just leave it up until they get it to you. So keep your hand high. And they're going to pass it out. It's in really small print. So that's nice. Um, if you will turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Now we've been on a series called The Journey of Becoming His from Bondage to Freedom. Because each one of us are on a journey you know, the interesting thing about a journey is it's not a destination and it's not instant. Uh, if you're like me, there's a lot of things in my life that I wish would change quicker than they do. There's a lot of my attitudes, the ways I think, my responses to things that I wish would have shifted that still haven't shifted as quick as I would like them to be. But when I remember that my walk is a journey... And what God's asking me to do is just keep stepping along in the journey and going with it. That he, he shows his faithfulness in that. I just realized that I forgot to say that if you are one years of age through eighth grade, you can go to class. If there's anybody here wondering that. Aiden? No? You're good? You're going to stay? Okay. So we're on this journey of becoming his, and he's taking us from bondage to freedom. Each one of us have things that are binding us down, whether it be something in our own way of thinking or something that we've experienced in our life. Maybe that wasn't even our fault. It wasn't something we asked for. It's not something we chose. It's something that was done to us, and it puts us in a place of bondage. Other things are things that we self-inflicted. They're decisions we made. They're choices we made, and it brings a bondage. He wants to take us from bondage to freedom. So we looked at the Israelites, and we looked at how God took them from a place of bondage, and he wanted to bring them to a place of freedom. And then looking at the way they responded and how similar it is that their response lines up with ours. All the time. I mean, over and over, the way that my responses. It's just like the Israelites. Today, we're just looking at our response. So not so much going back and re-looking at that whole thing, but just wanted to kind of close it out that we don't do a series just because we needed a place filler for a couple weeks for a series. We do a series because we want the series, we want the messages to change who we are. That you and I look different in the way we think is different because of what we've been learning in Scripture and as we look at the Israelites, that the scripture has been coming alive. And as we've maybe been reading it through the week and all of that, that it, it changes something in us. I've been catching myself. I don't know about you, but over the last couple of weeks, I've been catching myself being like the Israelites. I've been more aware of it. It's kind of like if what we were doing on Sundays was talking about filler words like um, and, you know, so... Uh, I'm trying to think of all the ones that I say. But, you know, those, those kinds of things, if we were giving messages on that, as we went about our week, we would probably start catching ourselves saying those filler words. But what we're looking at is the way the Israelites responded to God when he was trying to take them from bondage to freedom and seeing the way that that is uh, in, in our own lives. So 
In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15, and we're going to read halfway through verse 16. Just so you know, that's not unbiblical to only read part of a verse, okay? When they were writing these, they didn't put those numbers in there. It was actually just like typically one long letter. Uh, the reason the numbers are there to make it easy to find them. So starting in verse 15, it says, Now listen, today I am giving you a choice. This is encouraging stuff, even though it sounds harsh. Now listen, today I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. It seems intense. I personally don't love these portions of scripture where it talks about death versus life. It just, it seems so, I don't know, absolute, and I guess it's because it is. It can seem so disciplinarian or, I have a reaction to it. But the fact is, is it's not about, it's about the life that God wants to bring to you and I. It's just like to say the Ten Commandments or different things. We can look at them and say, ah, oh, you know, I, I remember being a teenager and one of the, the common things would be, you know, as you know, the youth group would be talking about don't do this and don't do this and don't do this. And the thought was like, you know, man, it seems like being a Christian, they took away all the fun. Anybody ever have that thought? You know, you, and it's kind of like, I don't, I don't know if I really want to buy into it. It's like all the fun disappears. No, God's trying to bring life. Because when we chase after those things, it might bring a little excitement for a period of time. It might bring a little satisfaction for a period of time, but it leads to death. And not just death in a biblical sense of heaven or hell, but death as far as it doesn't keep filling me up. All of a sudden, I feel empty. If you're like me, you can get a pay raise and you can think that your whole world's going to change once you get this extra money because you weren't using that money before. And so when that extra money came, it's like, think of all the things we could do with it. It is insane that even like on the first month of it, it's like it didn't happen. And all of a sudden, it's like I don't feel like my life changed at all. I don't feel like I'm buying anything more than I used to buy or eating out any more than I used to eat out. And it just disappears. It doesn't come and satisfy in the way I thought it would. And so God is giving you and I a choice. Just as Moses was telling the Israelites, today he's giving you a choice. And to me, our response is that today, as we look at this, God is giving you and I a choice. He's given our church a choice. How do we want to live? Do we want to go to the promised land? So there's the promised land for us in eternity, heaven. There's also the promised land as far as what God has promised, what, what he has called us as a church to be. How he wants us to live our lives, the effects he wants us to have on our neighbors or our, our coworkers or our classmates or our families. Because of what he wants to do in and through us. But to experience that life in those areas, we do have a choice, and we have to choose. And I think it's important that we don't just look at a series as just a series. It's just, ah, uh -huh, that was a 
neat couple of messages. But they are leading up to a choice that you and I get to make. And it's up to each one of us individually. Do we want to align more with what God, his decrees, his commands? Or do they seem so restrictive that we want to be over, be, have this freedom? And it is our choice. We're going to look at a couple other key scriptures. Then we're going to kind of do a time of response and have communion and uh, also get in some prayer circles. I know you guys love your prayer circles. And uh, that what is a prayer circle? It's when you get in a circle with a couple other people and you pray. So if you've never done that, that's what it is. And we're, we're going to pray. Um, you know, here we have our, our culture. If you'll put that slide up. Uh, this, is, this is who we believe God has called us as a church to be. It's built off of what God put on Bob and Sue's heart when they planted the church. And it's that each one of us are called by God as ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And by that, being an ordinary person, we have to realize who God says we are. Not what life has said we are, not what others have said we are, but who he and he alone says that we are. And then to be willing to then walk in that with confidence and accept it and walk in boldness and fulfill what he's called us to do. So we want to live out our identity, who he says we are, and we want to walk out our purposes in Christ. We do that by being with God, walking with Jesus, loving others, going with Holy Spirit. What's important to me there is that we want to be a church and we believe we're called to be a church that pursues all four of those things. That we don't just focus on being with God, but we think the Holy Spirit was for a different day. That we don't just focus on being super missional, kind of, you know, uh, uh, walking with Jesus and, and doing missional things, but we forget about actually getting into the Word and, and we forget about the Holy Spirit. Or that we're so chasing after the Holy Spirit that we forget about being missional and getting our hands dirty and going out and being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. So we want to do those things and step out in that way. And that is who we're called to be. Now, if you'll turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, that's towards almost all the way to the back. A hint is 1 Peter is actually right before 2 Peter. Thought I'd help you out there. So 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. It starts out, but you are not like that. But for you are chosen people. Say, I am chosen. So what is your identity? You are chosen. Who chose you? God did. Say, I am chosen. We got to believe it. We are chosen. There's not... The team that was up here, they're not the chosen ones. Darcy that opened the service isn't the chosen one. We're all chosen, every single one of us. You are royal priests. Say, I am a royal priest. 
Sounds a little different, but I don't typically go around. I don't have like a shirt that says I'm a royal priest. Maybe that's, maybe that's our new merch as a church. I don't know. We'll see. But we are chosen people. We are royal priests. This is, so, here we have in the New Testament where God is going back and speaking through Peter and he's speaking back to what was said with the Israelites. And he's saying, now, all of you are chosen. All of you are royal priests. There's not just a select few. We're all chosen. We're all royal priests. We're a holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you. Here's the purpose. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness from bondage into the wonderful light. Freedom. Anybody following me here? You see it? So we have to believe that we're a chosen people. If we don't believe it, then it's going to hold us back from being able to walk out what God's called us to walk out or what he's asking us. We have to believe that each one of us are a royal priest. There's not just a select few. We're all called to be royal priests. We're God's possession. What does he want to do? He wants us to show others his goodness. Because he called us out of darkness, which is our bondage, into his wonderful light. Okay, now for fun, we're going to go all the way back to Deuteronomy. Uh, you like this? Deuteronomy chapter 10. So now you're going back near the beginning of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Numbers. Uh, that was that one uh, message that we just couldn't ever actually. Thank you, Aaron. You reminded me uh, that we actually never were able to really get to. So Deuteronomy chapter 10. Chapter 10, verse 12. We're going to read a little bit here. We're going to go through 22. Everybody take a deep breath. It says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? And now, city harvest, what does the Lord... Our God require of us. He requires only. Interesting wording there. I don't know what's in your translation that you're reading. Mine it says only. I, I, typically when I hear only, I think of something kind of small, just kind of easy, a little bit quick. Uh, just, oh, just that? Yeah, only that. Just do that. It's like when one of my kids comes, says, hey, can we do this? It's like, oh, I just need you to only just take out the garbage real quick. Just, just do that really fast. He requires only that you fear the Lord our, your God and live in a way that pleases him and love him and serve him with all your heart and soul. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? I've never had an issue with any of those things. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. It's important to believe that's for our own good. You know, one of the things with fearing God I remember as a kid, I used to think that that meant like I had to be, like I had to think of him as this gigantic kind of ruler that I just, I just was in fear of, almost like having a bad dream or is there a monster under my bed or that kind of thing. I now see fearing God more as trusting him. 
realizing that he is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, realizing that he is the creator of all things, that he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, entrusting his ways, even though sometimes they don't make sense to me. Look, the highest heavens and the earth and everything in it all belong to the Lord your God. Yet the Lord chose your ancestors as the objects of his love. And he chose you, their descendants, above all other nations, as is evident today. Therefore, change your hearts and stop being stubborn. Just tell yourself right now, heart change, stop being stubborn. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God. He shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. Anybody here ever tried bribing? Don't raise your hand. Don't admit to this. I don't know if you've ever tried bribing him. You did something stupid and you kind of go and you're like, okay, I get it. I messed up. Let's just make a deal. If you keep it quiet, you don't tell anybody what I did, and you just decide that I don't need any consequences, here's what I'll do for you. He cannot be bribed. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. Yes, this verse does kind of tie along with the announcements before, but I'll let that settle in you however you want, but I'll read it again. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. So you too must, oh, yeah, let me read this again. So you too, everyone say me, me. I, so you too must show love to foreigners. For you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. You know, each one of us, again, this isn't just scripture about a story. Each one of us have been, our, have been foreigners in some way, shape, or form. I don't know if you've ever had to go to a new school. Maybe when you were young, your parents moved, and you had to go to a new school, and you didn't know anybody, and it was part of the way through the school year. You moved into a new neighborhood. Maybe as an adult, you, you got transferred to a new job, to a new city, and you had to make new relationships. Maybe you, you got married into a family, and man, you loved your spouse, but shoot, they're... Their family's messed up. We've all been foreigners in some way, shape, or form. So we remember that. You must fear the Lord your God and worship him and cling to him. Your oath must be in his name alone. He alone is your God. The only one who is worthy of your praise. The one who has done these mighty miracles that you have seen with your own eyes. The Israelites saw a lot of amazing miracles. They saw water come out of a rock. They saw food miraculously appear in the morning. They saw all these birds flying really low that they could just catch. I've tried catching birds. It's not the easiest thing to do. It's kind of like doing chopsticks and catching a fly. He parted the Red Sea. He did all sorts of miracles. But you know, he's done a whole bunch of miracles 
in your and my life. When we slow down to remember and reflect on the things that he saved us from. Things where we would have made a lot more worse circumstances and in, 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 in decisions in our life. But God came and he intervened. He delivered us from something. He came and he brought healing where there couldn't have been healing. Where a pill wasn't going to fix it. Or where, where um, a whole bunch of meetings weren't going to fix it. He came and he does something. He does it over and over in our lives. So you must fear the Lord, your God, and worship him and cling to him. Your oaths must be in his name alone. He alone is your God, the only one who is worthy of your praise. The one who has done these mighty miracles that you have seen with your own eyes. Let's not forget the miracles that he's done in our life. When your ancestors went down into Egypt, there were only 70 of them. But now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky. Okay, now you're going to go almost to the back to Mark chapter 12. I feel like I'm in Sunday school moving all around this way. I was always, they always did these things. They called them like sword drills. I was terrible at them. Absolutely horrific. And huh, that's why I'm paying it back, paying it forward. Giving it to you. Okay, here we go. Mark chapter 12, verse 29 through 31. So Jesus here is quoting the book, what Moses said in the book of Deuteronomy. Verse 29, Jesus replied, the most important commandment. Which commandment is it? The most important. How important would that be? But like most, how, how, like is that just like one of them? Or what, what's most mean? It's the most. It is like the important commandment. Thanks for helping me understand it. So the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel. Listen, O City Harvest. Say listen and then say your name. Listen, Peter. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all. How much? All. How much? All. all. That's everything, every piece of your heart. I knew the rest of it, but I lost my place. God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That pretty much makes up all of who you are. If you look at your strength, you look at your soul, you look at your mind, you look at your heart. He's saying that we give him all that we are. The second is equally. How important? Equally. Thank you, Uncle Curtis, for the clarification. It is the same. It is on equal par here. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor isn't always your best friend. Your neighbor isn't just the people that you like. Your neighbor drives you crazy. <laughs> Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So going back, God has given us a choice. He has called you and I chosen. He has called us all to be priests. Why? So that he can reveal his goodness to others. And he can reflect even how he's taken us, each one of us, 
from bondage to freedom. What are we supposed to do with it? How do we get there? How are we supposed to live? We're supposed to love him with all that we are. And we're supposed to love our neighbor, others, that same way. Okay, guess which direction we're headed? All the way back the other way. We're going to Second Chronicles, but it's getting tighter and tighter. Don't worry. I'll find a Psalms to close out with. Second Chronicles chapter 6. Yes, you guess it. Second Chronicles is right after First Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 6, verse 12. So Solomon stood, we're going to go through verse 16. Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the entire community of Israel, and he lifted his hands in prayer. Now Solomon had made... Guys, I wrote down the wrong one. We're going to go a little bit the other direction to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12. Then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. Then, if my people, who are called by my name, what did we get in, in the book of Peter? What are we? We are chosen. We are called. So here it says, if my people, who are called by my name, that's all of us, will humble themselves and pray. That means we choose that we can't figure it out on our own. It chooses that we don't just point our finger at others as the problem, but we see that we are part of the problem. What can we do? If they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. What will he do? He'll hear from heaven. And he will forgive our sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple. God has chosen us as a church. Now, by that, that doesn't mean that we're better than any other one. It doesn't mean we're superior. But it means he has called us. And he's called us to something specific. And he's asking us, do you believe it? Will you do what it's going to take? Will you follow me with all that you are? Because I promise you, if all of us chose to love God with all that we are, he could do some pretty amazing things that would astonish every single one of us in this room. We would see all sorts of things change in our surrounding. But it takes us coming to a place of humbling, realizing we can't do it in our own strength. For I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. Okay. Now you're going to go back just a little bit to Deuteronomy chapter 30. You were already there once. Matt, 
is iTunes still down? It is good? Okay. <clears throat> Ushers, will you come up and uh, set up the communion? Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. This is what we started with. Now listen. Today. Say today. today. God is giving us a choice between life and death. You might be in here and you think I'm crazy. You're probably right. Like my son, I just always look mad. You might be in here though and you don't know this Jesus. You don't know what, we're, what, what we've been talking about, maybe what we were singing about. But there was something that was kind of stirring inside of you. Maybe it's something where you've known Christ and yet as a kid or even as an adult, but you've kind of just kind of put it on the back burner and you just don't take it seriously. It's more coming to church and having a Bible on a bookshelf is just something you kind of do. Today, he has given each one of us a choice. And we have a choice. It's not whether he loves you. It's not whether he would accept you. The gift is there. It's will you open the gift. Here in a minute, we're going to take communion, which represents the gift. It represents his broken body, his shed blood, so that you and I may live. So that he came with a pure body in pure blood. You and I walk in with broken bodies already. And with a blood disease that brings death. And he comes and he took and allowed his body to be broken so that our body would be made whole. He chose to have his blood be shed so that we could receive a blood transfusion. Today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands. Decrees and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are about to enter and occupy. Man, I want God to bless us. I want God to bless our church. I believe we're about to walk into something powerful, something amazing. I believe as we truly walk into this place and say, Jesus, we are here to meet with you. Nothing else that then he can do what only he can do. Our lives will be transformed. Others' lives will be transformed. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, that's not just other religions. Other gods can be things in our life, things that we're chasing after with more desire with more intensity, with more enthusiasm than we chase after him. Then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice. Man, this comes with instructions. It's amazing. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. 
And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Again, it can feel heavy, but God is calling us. We don't just come to warm our seats. We don't just come to feel good about ourselves. We don't just come to say hi. We don't just come to serve so that we can mark off our community service box. We come to meet with Jesus. We come to allow him to transform us. We come and accept what he has called that we are chosen. We are his children. We are priests. And man, if we, the Israelites, can rally around that in getting unity and come to a place of saying, yes, this is who we are. Man, it pumps me up. What God could do and how he could transform us. So we're going to set it there. I don't know exactly what that means when I say it that way. But we're going to wait in that. They're going to play a song. And um, as they do, I just ask that you have your own time with God. Where you have your own conversation with God of what choice are you making today? That we have a response from what God, what we learned through the series. And if maybe you weren't here for those weeks, what I kind of reset about it, that God wants to take each one of us from bondage to freedom. He wants us to enter a promised land. But there's things he wants us to let go of. He's things, there's things he wants us to surrender. But that you listen to the words, and when you feel ready, you come up and you take communion on your own. But you just have your own personal time, your own response of, Lord, yes, I want you to do what, whatever it is. I don't, I don't want to tell you what you're saying. It's your response to God but that we have our response. Maybe what I said doesn't even make sense to you. And you're like, that's the most confusing thing I've ever heard. Then in that, pray, Lord, will you, will you speak to me? What are you asking me to do? What are you calling me to? How do you want me to respond this morning?